Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a number of equities. We're going to be focusing in particular on the US tech sector and we're also going to be looking at one London listed equity. We're going to be exploring the current market positioning. We're going to be looking at the outlook for the rest of this year and looking at where equity markets are at the moment. And to do that, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you for being on the podcast today. Hello, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we usually focus on on UK equities, but I think Mm. it would be fitting for this podcast to bring in some of the US tech sector. Because when we're looking over at the S&P 500, we've seen a considerable rally over the past month or two that's really left the FTSE 100 in the dust. And it has been driven by seven or eight companies, seven or eight tech companies that make up a huge proportion of the index. And to some extent, those stocks have left the rest of the S&P 500 behind as well. And last night, we got results from Apple and Amazon. Combined, the two companies make up about 10% of the S&P 500. So a huge weighting there. They really do have the power to, to move those indices. So we're going to be drilling down into those numbers. And it's very much a two-sided story here today, Alan, when we're looking at uh, Apple and Amazon. Reasonably good numbers from Amazon. They're up in the pre-market, whereas Apple trading down slightly, not as promising as the data from Amazon. So what do those figures look like? Yeah, I, well, certainly on um, as far as Amazon, Amazon the concern. I, I mean, it's had a it's had a bit of a struggle over the past year in terms of uh, share price performance. Um, you know, oddly, really low around Christmas time, which is uh, when a lot of it when its incredible logistical network really goes into overdrive, and um, that's not really been reflected. But certainly, a, a good performance and recovery uh, so far this year. But um, but the the company report is stronger than expected online sales, and also um, its well established cloud division AWS. Um, it, it appears to be turning the quarter, and and certainly um, certainly although revenue slowed by sixty percent in the first quarter, um, uh, it, it, it that that rate of slowdown is slowing too. So um, so but uh, and, and during the second quarter. Um, AWS's revenues grew by 12%, um, whereas analysts ha- had just two percentage points pegged in. So there's a, there is a belief, I think, that the cloud division has turned corner. And of course, that's a major cornerstone of Amazon's business model. Um, and and also, uh, but, but also, you know, it's inc- an incredibly competitive area. You know, Amazon competes with Microsoft and Google in this area. And both Microsoft and Google beat, uh, beat expectations last week. They saw revenue growth of more than twenty percent in both their cloud businesses. So, so although it's delivered a strong performance up twelve percent, you know that's still that's it's still lagging behind Microsoft and Google. But clearly, the market likes to look at this turnaround. So, they, so they're probably expecting uh, uh, greater things to come from the cloud uh, from, from from the cloud uh, um, the cloud division overall. Um, and and um, 
also with this uh, with with this uh, incredible logistical network I mentioned, um, Amazon's operating profit margin grew by three percentage points to five point seven percent, beating expectations again. Um, because with that huge logistical network comes huge costs, and the ballooning costs have been a, a big a, a big factor uh, in in that slowdown that I mentioned during December last year. But um, what the company said is, is split its logistics network into eight different areas. Um, and what that uh, has resulted in are lower delivery costs overall. So the program of regionalization, as they call it, is, is, is working. Um, so the, so um, revenue from its online stores also increased by 5% to 53 billion over the quarter. And that's that was against expectations of three and a half percent growth. So really, really good performance. Um, but I mean, certainly on the uh, you know as we go forward, we've still got uncertainty over household budgets, inflation, and everything else. But um, but I think um, I, I think the market still sees. You know, you, you mentioned that uh, they're up pre-market. I think the market still sees um, further growth potential in Amazon stock. You know, given the momentum of this turnaround in the in the cloud business. So Apple, Alan, looking at them through a $3 trillion market cap company, the, the largest constituent of the S&P 500, making up about 7% of that index, it hasn't been as rosy a quarter for them. Just looking here in the pre-market, down at about 1.8% mm. at the moment. And there's really some concerns coming through about their iPhone sales. Yes, there are. Well, I, th- I think, again, um, where you've seen a drop in the share price performance over the year with Amazon, of course, um, what we're now seeing is is a recovery really to perhaps where the market expected it to be. Um, but that's not been the case with Apple. If you look at the share price performance over the past year, it's been all top right-hand corner stuff. I mean, this time... Uh, you know this. Well, I think if if we go back to um, December this year, the share price was uh, down to one hundred twenty six dollars thirty six cents, and of course here we are now at one hundred ninety one dollars. So a huge growth through the year, um, phenomenal performance, and really, you know, I think anyone would say, any chartist would say, we're trading all time highs, all time highs now. There's got to be a correction at some point. So. So there's there's no room at all for disappointment in the Apple share price, and I'm not surprised that we're seeing a bit of a sell off in in pre market. Um, I, I think also if you look at the uh, if you if you look at the sort of uh, prognosis longer term, we've got these un- this uncertainty and all these factors. So any change in forecasts or any fall off in revenue is going to impact the company, and certainly you know. Certainly, total revenue fell one percent to eighty, just under eighty-two billion in the quarter ending June. Um, it still beat forecasts, um, but uh, also net profits uh, rose as well to just under twenty billion. Um, and Wall Street expected it would slip to just eighteen and a half billion. Um, so the, the so these are good numbers. But yeah, hardware of course is an issue. Um, iPad sales, iPad numbers are weak and um you know there are headwinds going forward there's a huge amount of competition of course from other manufacturers but you know apple does have, have that envious the enviable position where um it has this fantastic brand and people will just buy apple because it's apple 
but we're seeing a resurgence in paying subscribers for digital services that's now across 1 billion users worldwide so that's really the growth driver at the moment um and if you look at it in in context and it compares the others the number of paid subscriptions that apple look after is twice that of the number of subscribers to disney netflix hbo and peloton combined so you know it's a just gives you some idea of the scale and there's still growth potential with this as well so um so yeah the, you're seeing a company um evolving you know in, in this uh, changing marketplace developing developing a subscription model to perhaps offset the falls in hardware sales but given given where apple are given the brand and what the brand represents um people rightly expect innovation they expect the company to continue to evolve and develop and you know constantly surprise the market so i think uh, i think a lot of people will be betting that apple will continue to do that um and perhaps you know this uh, this this mark this sell off in the market if we do see a bit of a correction in the stock that could present a buying opportunity yes yeah, certainly the longer term prospects for apple still do look bright i mean that they've built a significant ecosystem there as soon as somebody has an iPhone, they start using all of the other services. And indeed, the service side of the business was was one of the biggest areas of growth in in the last quarter. And we do have the the new release of the iPhone coming up in the next few months as well. So that can provide a boost to earnings. But just want to now take a step back, Alan, if we may, and, and look at the market positioning and look at what appears to be somewhat of a, of a disconnect. And it's really highlighted this morning by results from WPP. Shares in, in WPP, mm. of course, listed on the FTSE 100, are down about 6% at the moment. And the main reason behind that is a lower a source of revenue from the US, in particular, the technology companies. So these same technology companies that we were discussing here that have rallied, made huge rallies at the beginning of this year, by the looks of WPP's numbers, they're actually spending less on advertising. So that would suggest that they see a, a bit of a slowdown themselves. And of course, that's been reflected in, in, in Apple's numbers the, 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 this morning. So yeah. when we go through towards the, the end of the year, and you know, I always like to discuss and, and speak about disconnects because that does tend to lead to, to sharp market moves and, and does lead to, to opportunities in, in markets. And, you know, one of those disconnects that we're seeing at the moment, if we go back to the example of, of Apple, is a lot of the, the gain that we've seen this year in the share price has actually been the multiple expansion. So we haven't actually seen too much in the way of, of a growth in, in revenue or, or earnings. It's people just buying into these stocks. Yeah. Now, that's to do with the AI craze or getting towards the end of, of the, the hiking cycle uh, by, by the Federal Reserve. The, these companies have, have rallied and, and the price to earnings ratios now are, lo- are looking pretty, pretty toppy. So, you know, in, in your view, Alan, now this is something that we, that we discuss and, and we have discussed on numerous occasions on the, on the podcast about this disconnect between the fundamentals and what the share prices are doing. As we, as we go through to, to the end of the year, what do we see snap back, do you think? I mean, do, do you feel that the global consumer now starts to look at, at interest rates potentially coming towards the end of, of the hiking cycle and starting to, to plateau and being a little bit more confident, spending a little bit more on, on, on tech? 
and then we start to see earnings come back? Or, or do you think that the next step in this story for these tech stocks is probably going to be some form of a sell-off and move back down to those longer-term averages, which may then provide a, a, further, a, further, a further buying opportunity for, for investors? Or do you think we, we could muddle through at these levels here, you know, sort of looking at the, the S&P 500 around 4,500, you know, it, it's a relatively elevated level. You know, from this point forward, the million dollar question, Alan, where, where do you see these markets going? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that is the million dollar question, Jonathan, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, w- w- there are so many variables uh, in here. We, we, we're coming to the end of this, uh, we hope, this uh this high inflation period, um, and uh, of course, we saw the quarter percent rate rise in the Bank of England yesterday, and uh, and the hikes in in the US as well. But uh, but there is a sense that's very much under control. There is also a sense of, of optimism, I think, in the markets. I think people are seeing opportunities across the broader marketplace, not just in other sectors. Um, but historically, the the tech sector continues to confound investors, um, and we get these ever racier valuations and multiples that the stocks trade on um and, and somebody once said to me earlier yeah but in the us you know uh, in the us uh, investors don't care about market cap they just care about the share price and it's the old story in the market um the trend is your friend uh, you look at the 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 apple share price since the start of the year it's top right hand corner stuff all the way so my guess is that uh, you know with apple for instance if there's a little sell-off then we might see hordes of investors coming back in say uh, you know two or three percent or three or four percent below the below the um the price yesterday um and and of course all of these factors um going forward the the, the macro backdrop um won't really i believe impact impact too too heavily on the tech stocks um we're we're going to be seeing some fundamental changes in the way these companies operate you know we're we're, we're, all of these companies are gearing up, and uh, and they're approaching the AI chat GPT phenomenon in a, in different ways. Uh, but uh, one thing's for sure: you you look at the investment funds uh, the that invest into these stocks. Um, the the tech the tech investment funds have been the best performers uh, really over the past five to ten years. So um, I think it'd be a brave person that would really bet heavily against tech stocks going forward into winter. Um, but I think also, as interest rates uh, maybe start to uh, start to plateau out and we get inflation coming under control, we're going to see investors coming back to other areas of the market. And of course, that in itself will dr- drive further liquidity. You may see some, some people selling off tech in order to get into other sectors of the market. And then, of course, returning back again. So the general liquidity and volume in the market is is going to be the the key driver um, for, uh, for, uh, for for stocks uh, uh, going forward. And that's going to be really that, that's that's really going to be the decider. But I think uh, underlying here, bet against tech stocks right now at your peril. Fantastic. So ju- just going back to the point that you made there about the Bank of England hiking rates by. 0.25% yesterday, that was actually met with a little bit of enthusiasm, not so much by the FTSE 100, but by the FTSE 250. It was a pretty poor day out there mm. for, for European stocks in, in general, but it was good to see the more domestically facing FTSE 250 
showing some, some signs of, of positivity. So you, I mean, when you're looking at that, Alan, do, do you feel now that there may be uh, a sort of easing in, in the pressures from a, from an investment perspective, that there's been a, a bit of a cloud over the UK for, for some time? especially if you're looking at those indices, if you're looking at the AIM market as well, mm. I mean, that's been very, very heavily hit. Yes. But, you know, going back to this question about interest rates, and that's been sucking a lot of life out of uh, equities, especially UK-focused fo- equities and, and those what listed on the, on the mid and, and small caps. Do you think there is some light at the end of the tunnel now if we, if we start to see a pricing in markets for, for interest rates, you know, below that 6%. I mean, at one point, they were pricing a terminal rate above 6%. I think yesterday after the the rate decision, the, the futures markets had actually priced that down to about 5.75%, which would suggest we see one or two more rate hikes from the Bank of England in this, this hiking cycle. How significant do you think that is, Alan, for, for the mid-cap and, and small-cap markets i think it's hugely important because uh because all the time we have high inflation the prospects of higher inflation greater costs less income to spend and also uh you know if if companies need to borrow money for instance or they need to go to the market then they'll they'll be borrowing at punitive rates so when you've got small resource companies you know that may that may go to the market. Um, you, you'll see a company say with a share price of five p, go to its broker and say it wants to raise money, and the broker will say, well, we can. You know, there's been very little volume in your stock recently, so we'll, we'll raise your money at two and a half p. So of course, the the net result is that they need the money. They've got to have the money to continue with the project. So share price gets smashed to pieces, um, and uh, so existing shareholders are are unhappy, maybe they exit the market, maybe they capitulate and just get out altogether. So so we've had this cycle over the past year. Um, and, and that's the that's kind of the the penalty of if you like high inflation um, and, and higher interest rates. But uh, once those get under control, then uh, people start to look at companies with longer term projects that uh, maybe will require further financing. And They'll they'll take the view. Well, actually, you know that company can probably raise money now at a reasonable level. So I'm going to get involved and take a punt, and that's how it works. So, um, so I think um, you know this uh, this plateauing out process. I think uh, we could be in for a busy autumn. I very much hope so, anyway. And and there are so many companies and projects out there that uh, you know I think are really exciting. And you, if we get you get involved at the right time now, um, then you know there could be some real upside to come later this year. Indeed, indeed. We're going to move on now. We're going to finish off, Alan, with one of those companies that could be one of those exciting prospects for the autumn. It's Harland and, and Wolf. The share prices have suffered in, in the past few months. Mm. It's been a little bit quiet from, from the company. And of course, you know, it, it has been a, a tough market out there. But really, just in the last week or so, it, it, it's bounced quite strongly from the level of around nine pence trading up at around 13 although it did go to to 15 very briefly yesterday so alan what's happening there so harlan and wolf have had a as you say it's been a a difficult year but i mean they've they really have made a quantum leap forward in terms of their offering in terms of uh, where they now stand as a company and uh, you know again an, an incredibly exciting opportunity and of course we, we spoke about um 
you know, the difficulties faced by the AIM market. Uh, Harlan & Wolf, of course, trade on AIM. So um, they're, they're, they're one of the one of the companies, I think, that uh, could really benefit from being on there. But of course, um, since Brexit, companies, uh, you know, companies like Harlan & Wolf have been able to trade on them. Excuse the pun, a, a slightly more even keel, being shipbuilders and all that. But um, <laughs> but of course, they. Um, so, so this is an old company. It was founded years ago by Sir Edward Harlan and Gustav Wolf as a shipbuilding uh, comp- uh, uh, corporation, um, epitomised by those iconic gantries, the big cranes and gantries at Belfast Dock with the big yellow gantries with Harlan and Wolf. Um, and of course, they have the headquarters there. They also have. Uh, they also have shipbuilding facilities at Methil and Arnish in East and West Scotland and Appledore in Devon, um, from which they will uh, repair ships. I mean, I, you know, this is the company that built uh, the Titanic and perhaps, you know, that's not uh, not, a com- uh, not, a, not an achievement that you want to sort of tout too loudly. But also RMS Olympic, Britannic, uh, the Royal Yacht, SS Canberra, um, Super Tankers, and it's built oil rigs. Um, I've done a lot of uh, work with the Navy on MOD work. And it's really this development um, last uh, November with the Ministry of Defence. Um, Team Resolute, that's uh, that's basically Harlan and Wolf, Navantia uh, and, and, and BM, BMT uh, come together to build three fleets or three ships for the Royal Fleet Auxiliary. And of course, the, the ships will supply munitions and stores to ships at sea. It's a £1.6 billion contract, um, uh, and initially uh, it uh, drove £77 million investment into Harlan & Wolf. And what that has meant is that uh, Harlan & Wolf have been able to um, refurbish many of their facilities. They've been able to, uh, they've been able to uh, upskill their staff, and as a result of that, they're now able to tender for contracts around the world on on the level with some of the other shipbuilders that exist in the world. So, so you know, it's not just the contract win that's important here. It's what that contract has done for Harlan and Wolf standing on the global stage. Um, so so we're seeing this uh, going forward. Now, the company's broker, um, uh, although at the, uh, full, the full year results that were recently announced, the company recorded a loss after tax of £70 million, uh, the company said, or, or the broker said, it's on track for a tripling of revenues in two thousand full year two thousand twenty three. So that's going to be getting on, getting on for sort of two hundred million uh, uh, or, or there or thereabouts. So that's going to mean a huge jump uh, in the valuation of the company. Now thirteen fourteen p, it's got a market cap of just twenty three million. So although there are there is debt with the company, and that debt is. In the process of being restructured, the company said um, it was in the process of restructuring uh, the debt package. It would announce that in the autumn, and that debt would basically cost it less. You know, remember what I mentioned just now about uh, about uh, companies being able to access money for uh, at, at a lower cost. Um, so, uh, Harlan and Wolf have already uh, more or less uh, uh, completed that process, and that's really important. But um, in addition to that. We've seen we've seen already in the last few weeks the company announced a major vessel refurbishment uh, from from a company that's worth sixty to seventy million. Uh, also um, announced a further contract win to for a for, for a, he- a heavy vessel um, uh, owned by the Korean based Pan Ocean Group. Um, 
and uh, that's expected to be just under a million. So it's able to win lots of contracts. Um, and what the company has also done, it has set up a new subsidiary called Holland Wolf Technologies. So where it has been able to reinvest into itself with this fleet services contract win, it's going to be, um, it, it's investing in developing its technologies um, and, uh, you know, working towards becoming a successful leader in, um, in, in some of the new technologies, including batteries, propulsion, fuels and systems. Um, so it's very much at the cutting edge of, um, of, of, of shipping and shipbuilding going forward. So I see, yeah, I see huge potential in this company, and and I think uh, I think it's been well managed by John Wood and his team, um, and I think for the coming year, you know, with the uh, revenues it's going to generate from this huge fleet services contract win, plus the other revenue, the other contract uh, contracts it will win through being able to tender on a level playing field with other companies i think it's got a, it's got a really bright future um and offers great value at around 13 14p so of course there's i'm just looking through the rnss here of, of harland and wolf there, there's been some contract wins and there's been some letters of, of, of intent mm. you know you're looking at the share price and yes it's come off the, the the lowest levels but it's still not anywhere near where it's been recently so in terms of the, you know this revenue coming forward is a lot of these contracts is, is this something that's you know, there's letters of intent that's been been signed, and it's not a hundred percent confirmed. Do you think there's a bit of doubt in the market about that? You know, how much of this revenue, Alan, is nailed on to, to come into Harland and, and Wharf? And you know, in terms of these letters of intent, you know, how much more revenue do you think we we could be seeing uh, for the company than than is already contracted? Well. I think what you've also got to consider is what the fleet services, fleet solid services contract will mean to uh, Harlan and Wolf, and it's estimated that the contract will bring Harlan and Wolf between seven to eight hundred million over the next seven to eight years uh, by the time the final vessel is delivered. So if, if you rough that out to one hundred million a year every year, that means that before the company turns around, it's got that revenue in. Uh, so that's hugely important. Um, but yes, you know these these contracts take time. Um, but for example, the the heavy vessel uh, or the heavy fleet uh, uh, heavy vessel uh, win in Belfast um, that's that's something that's going to uh, uh, take place more or less straight away. It enters the dry dock next week for a period of approximately twenty one days, where it will undergo a series of repairs, and Harland Wolf will earn uh, just under a million quid for doing that. So. So that's you know that that's that's important. That's obviously great cash flow. But then of course um, the longer term contracts, the bigger contracts do take longer to, to 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 get signed and sealed. So it's all about the pipeline. But I think what's you're seeing now is an expansion of the sales team, um, a greater pipeline being created. So if the company's out there pitching for say twenty different contracts, it might win ten or twelve of those, um, and those will be letters of intent signed. To start at a certain point, and and on we go. I should also Fantastic. I should also say as well, there's the Island McGee project too, which of course is the gas storage project, which uh, which Harlan Wolf owns, and that is that w- will require investment. So it's it's really a separate entity, but um, given where we are with uh, the cost of energy and uh, all the rest of it, uh, they're now seriously looking at using the Island McGee facility as st- to provide storage for gas. So that could be a whole new ball game for the company. 
Of course, I mean, just looking here, the revenues last year for the, for the company in 2022 were just under 28 million, of course, recorded mm. a loss mm. uh, of, of about 70 million. So these new contracts coming through could really mark a step change in Harland and Wolf. And certainly one of those companies, as you mentioned before, Alan, that are listed on AIM, that could be in for an exciting autumn. So just as a recap now of the stocks that we discussed. So the first two were listed in America. There was Amazon, which has a ticker of AMZN. It was then Apple, which has a ticker of AAPL. And we just finished off with Harland and Wolf, of course, listed in London on the AIM, which has a ticker of H-A-R-L. Alan, thank you for being the podcast today. Thank you, John. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.